You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Well, hey there, all you Zen Tri freaks and geeks. And welcome to another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon, the podcast where we try to simplify the world's most difficult and complicated sport and try to give you some Zen tips along the way so that you can get it done. All right, let's go ahead and talk about this show. Uh, We're going to do a little bit different of a format today because I'm in peak training for Ironman Canada up on the uh, west coast of Canada at Whistler. And uh, with all the training and the volume, uh, it's really difficult to find time to uh, do an interview and uh, get that all coordinated and such. And also, there's a lot of value in the information about how to train at 15 to 20 hours per week that I've been collecting that I thought I'd share with you anyway, and that would make for a great episode as it is. So that's what we're going to do this show. Lots of uh, pro-level, elite-level tips, tricks, things to uh, get your training done and how to set up your gear and fit it all in so that you have a successful race uh, whenever you tackle your next one. All right, but as always, first, we need to head over to a little bit of the triathlon news. Here we go. All right, three-time Ironman world champion, Kona champion, Miranda Carfrey set the record at Austria, broke the record at Austria, Ironman Austria, with a 2.49 marathon, 2.49.06, to finish 8 hours, 41 minutes, and 17 seconds overall. And this is very significant because last fall, she pulled out of Kona on the bike and uh, didn't complete the race. I think she had some sort of um, small injury, but it was very bothersome and it was just going to get worse and she wasn't going to perform as well as she wanted to. So the big question was, is how is she going to do, especially against Daniela Reef? who absolutely destroyed the race that day. And I think Daniela is a uh, former ITU Olympian. I'm not sure about that. But anyway, the competition in the women's field is crazy this year. And Miranda going out and breaking the record at Ironman Austria a few months out from Kona is a really, really big deal. That means she she threw it down. (laughs) She threw down the gauntlet and said, I'm ready to race. And... uh, that's nice because that means we're going to have a great race at Kona with those two. All right, uh, Western States 100 is the Super Bowl of ultra running. And if you've ever done an ultra marathon, a trail ultra marathon, and that's 30 miles or more, start, when you start getting around 50 miles, you start to really appreciate how insane this, this stuff is. And a 50 miler is about kind of like doing an Ironman, maybe, maybe about, it kind of depends on the 50 miler, like how steep it is and stuff. But the, um, you try to do a 100 mile trail run and it's because your legs never get a break because you're always on your legs and a triathlon, you know, you swim a while, then you bike a while and then you run a while. It's different. You mix it up, but to just be running, uh, for a hundred miles is absolutely just brutal, absolutely brutal. And it takes a lot of, um, 
I don't know. It takes a lot of everything. It's, it's really crazy. So this race starts near Tahoe and runs over to Auburn, California. And the, the who's who is, it's so, it's such a big race. It takes a lottery to get in. And then whoever wins this is pretty much considered to be the best ultra runner of the year, at least in North America. And, uh, yeah, they, uh, the guy that was leading the race all of a sudden, and he was about to break the course record on a really hot day. Um, he got lost or something on, on, mile 92 or 94 and then this other guy <laughs> that is only 20 years old um, managed to win and uh, he's definitely a, a very uh, there's an interview with him after the finish line he talks just like a 20 year old would you know uh, but he does have a lot of experience he's been racing ultras uh, for about four years but um yeah, if you want to give yourself uh, some something else to do that's very, very ultra, even more ultra than uh, long-distance Ironmans, then uh, ultra running is the thing to do. And that's what happened. Uh, you got to stay on course. You get lost, you're, um, you might be out of the game. He went off course by like several miles, and then I don't. he didn't even finish in the top 10, the guy that, that was leading it. Um, the time was... 1539 and the lead woman won it in 1757 so another western states 100 under the belt really really cool this is one of those things where you get a giant belt buckle uh, for doing it it's pretty cool um let's see shimano has introduced their new uh, dura ace line is out and that's the very top end of stuff it's kind of like the ferrari of their product line and um, within their lineup, there's some small changes kind of here and there. There's two significant things. Uh, one is there's some kind of electronic add-in that will, it's got a brain in it that will um, adjust your shifting. It'll change your front derailleur for you, your front gearing for you, if you shift your rear derailleur over far enough. It'll go, oh, you know what, this guy really needs to be in the big chain ring. And it'll go, wham, into the big chain ring and then and then uh, shift the rear derailleur on its own back to where it should be. Uh, so that's kind of cool. And then also, Shimano came out with, uh, in their crank, a power meter. So I don't have pricing on it yet, but I can tell you one thing. Well, there's a couple things about Shimano. So Shimano stuff is fantastic. It just works. It works really, really well. If you buy something that's Shimano, there's nothing that's possibly could be wrong with it. And that's nice. The reliability and the functionality is is the industry standard. It's amazing. Um, the downside is is Shimano's Dura Ace line is holy cow. <laughs> it's crazy expensive when uh, their next step down, Ultegra, is what a lot of people, um, normal people, tend to uh, race with because it's almost as good as Shimano and it costs significantly, almost as good as Dura-Ace and it costs, costs significantly less, significantly less. Um, what you should do is my favorite place, a lot of people's favorite place to see whether a gadget or a gizmo or some sort of electronics or something is any good is a website called DC Rainmaker. And Ray is the owner of that and he reviews equipment and he's unbiased. He compares things and builds charts and stuff like that. And uh, based on that, Pretty soon, we'll be able to see um, how this power meter stacks up against the competition. But it's nice. It's built right into the crank, and it's sealed. 
so that when you want to charge it, you just um, put their charger cable that's got a magnetic head on it and you put it against the crank and there's a magnet inside the crank that connects the two and it charges. <laughs> that's cool because just uh, the other day I had to change out the uh, battery and my power, my power tap power meter, you know, and it sucks. You got you to gotta take it apart and uh, you always risk um, the, um, the seal to make sure it doesn't ever get water in it. Uh, you got to make sure that you don't uh, have, uh, you know, like grit and sand or dust, too much dust in it or else water will creep through. So this is cool that it's sealed up. Of course, when something's sealed up, boy, it's hard to work on. And then you got to send it off somewhere. So uh, everything's got an upside and a downside. Okay. Now, let's see. Uh, speaking of DC Rainmaker, he did a quick review of this new trainer that's coming out. And this thing is seriously cool talking about magnetism and such. So there's a, there's a trick in physics that you can see where people drop a powerful magnet down an aluminum pipe. And maybe you could do it down a steel pipe. But anyway, it drops slower than, uh, you normally would, than it normally would drop if you just dropped it you know, on a table. And what happens is the, the electromagnetic field around a magnet... Uh, creates disturbances and it creates an eddy field. Uh, and an eddy means like a reverse, like a spiraling and stuff. And like in a, when you see the river uh, go downstream and then there's in some places the current spiraling and going backwards against itself and stuff, right? So that's like, it kind of creates friction in a way. Weird, it's, it's weird. But um, what they did is they took um, earth, rare earth magnets, neo, neodymium magnets, which are really powerful. And if you, they made them kind of long. So they're, they're kind of, I don't know, they're a few inches long. They look like brake pads and you put them up next to the rim of a, uh, of a wheel, a bike wheel, and it will try to slow the bike wheel down because as aluminum goes by, it conduct, aluminum conducts electricity and the, um, the uh, magnets create an electromagnetic field, it's electro, and it uh, creates resistance. And as the wheel goes through it, I mean, it doesn't want to go through. And the closer you put these magnets to your alloy rim, uh, where your brakes would uh, uh, touch, the, um, the more it slows it down. And they said they can get this up to like 2,000 watts of resistance. I mean, it is really crazy. And I'm not, I'm not sure this thing takes any uh, electricity. Just the magnets themselves provide the resistance. There's a cord where it's plugged in. This is on Kickstarter. And the, uh, there's a cord where it's plugged into the wall, but that may be to transmit the, um, the watts that it's estimating that you're, uh, that you're putting off, you know, so that you've got like a power readout from your trainer. But anyway, this thing is super cool. It is super lightweight. It is um, dead quiet. That's the thing that people want. And there's no contact with your bike. Um, so you're not going to wear down your uh, tire when you ride on this thing. How about that? That is crazy. And there's a lot of people that are looking for this. So I'll put the link um, on the Zentri page uh, to this trainer. I think they hit their funding goal in like two or three days. It is super, super smart. I can't believe this hasn't existed before. And you know, those are like going to be successful products where you're like, 
where's this been my whole life? So <laughs> that's pretty cool. All right, so that is uh, most of the news that's going on out there. And let's see, I wanted to also start off the beginning of the show with an email from a show donor. Becky sent in a donation. And if you send in a donation to the podcast, uh, you'll, you can get your email read on the show. But let's go ahead and uh, read this one. This is pretty cool because this is going to start this is going to kick us off into the um into the theme of the show and which is tips and tricks for big training and she says becky says i have been a dedicated listener uh to the podcast for a while now and appreciate all that you do so i wanted to send in a donation keep up the great work exclamation point i also have a question for you i just purchased my first time trial bike tt bike and uh have previously ridden a road bike only and was wondering if you could give me some suggestions on what to get for hydration for the new bike. And, uh, and you bet I can, cause I've been through this over and over and over again with several different bikes. And she, uh, got a Quintana Roo CD one, uh, C attached picture a few weeks ago. Now this is a really cool bike. This is the one that Quintana Roo makes. Um, that is gray and white camo print like snow camouflage, but with the hot pink, or you might say it's like Pepto-Bismol pink, um, graphics like the the QR and, uh, the bar tape. And I think, uh, the logos on the, on the wheels. Anyway, I love this bike. I would ride this frame. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's obviously like a girl's frame, but I would ride it for sure because it is so freaking cool. And uh, I've always loved this. That and there's somebody made a bike. I think maybe they had it custom painted that was a cow print, uh, like Holstein cow. That was pretty cool too. But anyway, um, uh, let's see. She sent the picture of it. Unfortunately, it's just been sitting in my house since then because uh, I was eight months pregnant and when I bought it and now I'm only three weeks out from having a c-section ouch however I am working on getting my bike all ready for when I can finally take it out and begin riding it okay so I was thinking about getting a between the arms water bottle and maybe a rack for a couple of bottles behind the saddle okay so for everybody the between the arms water bottle is also called a BTA between the arms and that's where a water bottle lays flat between your arms facing forward you could of course point it backwards if you want but generally people usually face it forward um, so that it is very very similar to your um, forearms because you got a little bit of a gap between your forearms right up front and you can fill that gap between your arms with the water bottle do not put it vertically (laughs) you lay it flat and I mean, you could put it vertically if you want, but it's not very smart. But the uh, the question is, okay, so that and also behind the seat. Uh, and do you have any tips or suggest- suggestions on what I should purchase or any alternative suggestions? Question mark. I mainly compete in a couple of 70.3 distance races per year with a few shorter races scattered in between. That's important. Uh, Once I can get back on my bike, I'll be getting ready for Austin 70.3 this year, exclamation point. Again, thanks for the podcast, exclamation point. Have a great week, Becky. Okay, this is a a great question. And as soon as I got this email, I was like, oh man, I should read this on the air. Because like I said, I've been through a lot of different setups. And after all these years, I've narrowed down... a system that works really well and you can um a lot of this is you know like personal preference 
but what I'm about to tell you definitely, definitely works. Okay, so first off, the um, if you can, you don't want to put water bottles on the frame, like the seat tube and the down tube down there. You don't want to put round water bottles on there because you've, sp you've spent all this money on an aerodynamic bike that's flat, and then you're going to put big, fat, round water bottles on it. The exception is... Um, if you have particular fuel or you're doing like a really long race and you want um, to grab, uh, you want your fuel bottles to um, fit there and you want to grab more and put them there and it's just, uh, you know, like if I do the uh, Uberman this fall, I'm going to put round bottle cages on the, um, on the frame <laughs> because I'm going to need just tons of water and it's out in the desert and stuff like that. So I need to be able to just grab bottles and put them on the frame because you got to think what's going to slow you down more, a little bit of wind resistance or being dehydrated, right? But in general, for 70.3s, uh, that's short enough where you're not going to need that. So don't put round water bottles on the frame. There's a better place. So let's talk about that. The uh, behind the saddle. Okay, that is a great place to put water bottles because that will do two things. One, it gets it out of the wind flow because you're in front of it, your body's in front of it. And two, the other thing is, is behind you, just like we were talking about the eddy current stuff, um, you create an eddy current behind you. You create drag uh, with um, like a whirlpool of air behind you. And if you fill that space with solid objects, you'll create less of a whirlpool that sucks backwards and um, and then you'll actually be faster. You're filling the gap. You're kind of tapering your body by putting water bottles actually right behind you. So my favorite brand uh, that you mount to your saddle also happens to be the cheapest and the most reliable because I've been through several different types and it's Minora. I-M-I-N-O-U-R-A, I, I think. M-I-N-O-U-R-A. It's very, very simple. You attach it to the rails on the back of your saddle. And the coolest thing is it's two, it'll, you can attach two water bottle cages to it. They're very close together and they're vertical. The problem with water bottle cages that point kind of at an angle backwards is you hit bumps and those things become, they call them rocket launchers. The bottles because they're at an angle, they will bounce out often, and <laughs> it sucks. Okay, uh, speaking of bottle cages, um, you know, it's kind of a personal preference thing, but there is value in considering the old-style aluminum alloy ones because they're not going to have much uh, aero drag when they're empty. Um, it's just real thin, round. Uh, if I've got an aero bottle, I've got a uh, bottle cage that came with something else recently and it's got um, a lot of flat edges on it and that are facing flat into the wind like the wrong way to be arrow and um, that's a bit of a problem right so um, if there's a bottle in it then it's very arrow if there's no bottle in it then it's kind of a mess okay so that's behind the seat now what i've done behind the saddle for years was put my, I bought an X-Lab brand, um, it's bottle shaped, but it's a container that you unscrew into two halves, top half and bottom half, and in that you put your flat change kit and bike tool and whatever else, right, and your emergency repair stuff, and that 
is um, really, really cool because it's shaped like a water bottle, so you could put it anywhere on your bike. Um, but because it's big and round, you want to put it in cylinder shaped. You want to put it behind you um, and not on your frame. And then on top of that, I because you rarely use that, right? And you don't want that to bounce out. You don't want to risk that bouncing out. I took an old uh, Livestrong style uh, silicone bracelet, wrapped it around that bottle, and then um, took one end of that and looped it over the top of the bottle cage. So uh, when you jam it into the bottle cage, when you put it, you don't have to jam it in, when you put it in the bottle cage, um, part of it is rubbing against the inside of the uh, bottle cage, and that creates friction, that silicone, and that thing ain't moving. Right? It'll never bounce out. And then the other side is looped around the top of the bottle cage, the other side, and that's holding it in place so it'll never bounce out. It's really, really cool. And again, you're not using that thing unless you're off the bike already, so you don't have to worry about it. And, and, and if you try to take it off the bike, it'll come off in, in a tenth of a second. But it's just not going to bounce out. That's really cool. Okay, so and I do that on my... I'm, I'm right-handed, so I put that on my left side, behind my left butt cheek, and then, because I'm never really going to reach for it, uh, and I'm right-handed, so when I do reach back with my right hand to grab a water bottle um, or fuel or whatever, that's behind my right butt cheek um, where I can put stuff. As I go through aid stations and grab it, I can put it back there or whatever. Okay, then, <laughs> this is getting extended. So then, uh, between the arms, I tried the... Um, you know, just a regular bottle cage and putting a regular water bottle water bottle between the arms. There's a problem with that in that those regular water bottles, um, you know, you may think it's not going to leak. And you may have one water bottle that you're certain doesn't leak. But um, that may be one time. But ride after ride, all your training rides and everything else, um, boy, man, water bottles freaking leak. And it sucks. And you end up uh, getting spray all over your face, get Gatorade all over your handlebars, uh, you know, sticky, messy. And um, so that's just not, when people do that, I'm not really sure what they're planning on. <laughs> and it doesn't seem like a, like a sustainable thing. So what I do instead is XLab again makes the um, torpedo. And you can mount that on your uh uh, between your arms on your aero bars and that's um what's really cool about that is it's got a straw that sticks out of the top but you can fold the, f the straw flat against the top of the bottle it's got a little um uh gizmo that does that and then also there's a little top lid that pops open and you can pop that lid open and pour water in it um or it's got like a slotted one where you can pour water in it um, on the fly and that's critical because you're going through an aid station and you grab water and you can you can get water at the beginning of the aid station and just kind of coast and pedal easy and dump an entire water bottle into that x-lab torpedo as you go through the aid station and throw that water bottle and hit the trash cans with it um, on your way out the other side all in like like five seconds Right, so now you've got that thing full in front, and because it's you get the one that's um, uh, transparent, it's kind of uh, semi uh, semi clear. Uh, you can see the volume of water you got left. Do not during a race try to avoid 
using water bottles that aren't clear because you don't know how much you've drank of anything and you don't know how much is left. You, can, you have to shake it to feel and still you're not certain. But if stuff is clear, that kind of uh, yeah, either clear or the um, semi-clear um, plastic material, then you can see how much is left and you can be like, oh, I don't need to grab, I don't need to refill this. This thing's almost full, right? Or boy, I need to refill this and uh, let's grab water at the next aid station. So that's, uh, so the X-Lab Torpedo um, has that. Now what you want to do is you want to mount that back as far as you can between your arm, like between your elbows, more towards your body, because what you want between your wrists and your your uh, the furthest part away from your forearms, um, but in front of your water bottle, but 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 before your hands, you want your bike computer, and the reason you you want this is because you want to be able to see your numbers of what's happening and what what you're doing and also what you got left to do um, in your field of vision. And there's a reason on your car why the speedometer is up near the windshield and not down in your lap, right? And what, that's why the fuel gauge is up there too, so that and your RPMs, so that you can, you don't have to look down very far to see what's important. And on the bike, there are people who set up their bike with the bike computer back on the stem of the bike. You know, and the, uh, they try to set it up in weird places. No, 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 no. You want to do whatever you can to get that bike computer um, in front, in line, and in front of the torpedo and between your wrists and behind your hands so that you, all you have to, you don't have to tilt your head. You just kind of look down with your eyes and you can see, oh, I've done 40 miles. Uh, my heart rate is uh, 150. And that means I've got 16 miles left. Oh, my water bottle is kind of clear, you know, because it's clear. I can see I've got, because it's the X-Lab one, I can see I've got plenty of water as I roll through this next aid station, right? And that's, that's like, be, the problem, <laughs> it's not just a convenience thing. You look down and you start looking backwards or between your elbows way back or somewhere else off to the side to look at your bike computer or you, you're shaking bottles to, with one hand and only riding with one hand to, um, to see how much is left. Now you have increased your risk of having a major bike accident and either hurting yourself or hurting other people or getting killed or uh, you know being hit by a car or something like that. You've increased that by like a hundred percent, a hundred times by uh, by uh, not having stuff in a smart place. So you you just want to eliminate all possible unnecessary risks, and you can do that by the design of how you set stuff up. Okay, then there's one more thing. What I've done over the years, what I figured out that works really well is on the frame. I do have a water bottle, but it's an aero water bottle. And that's where I put my liquid fuel. So because it's an aero water bottle, um, it has very, very little uh, drag penalty whatsoever. And because it's my fuel, it's probably going to stay on my bike the entire time. So I'm not going to toss it. And uh, so it's, it's okay for it to be a specialized bottle, style of bottle that's a little bit more expensive that I'm not going to throw away. And... Uh, what I've found that seems to work the best because there's different brands, but the Arundel or A Arundel or I forgot, I don't know how they pronounce it, but it's a really good brand. The Chrono or Chrono Plus, I think is what it's called. 
Anyway, they make one that's flattened and super aerodynamic, but the, the bottle top is rounded so that it actually comes off really easy and it's easy to um, clean and uh, refill and, um, and uh, just manage and also drink out of. Uh, really easy to drink out of. Um, again, because of the whole danger of having complicated stuff on the bike. And so in that, I will put in the calories for my uh, entire ride. And you'd be surprised when you do like super dense liquid calories about how much you can fit in there. Okay, and then the other thing with the X-Lab Torpedo, or other ones like it, if you put something in there besides just water, then you're going to want to, um, after every ride, uh, just pop it off. It pops right off and um, rinse it out with water and then put it in like the uh, dishwasher, the dish drying rack, you know, in your sink and uh, get the sugary stuff out of there or else it'll, um, you know, it'll get gunky over time. And then uh, Camelback makes a uh, bottle cleaner and a, a, a hose cleaner for, for um, Camelback backpacks and um, it's really cheap. So... You can run that thing through the hose uh, every you know, few weeks and make sure there's nothing in there. So that is the setup. Whew. But also, you want a fun one, is uh, you can do the Ferris Al Sultan, Sultan method and the emergency bottle holder. <laughs> and I've done this in lots of races because it works. The emergency bottle holder is the crack of your ass uh, if you're wearing a two-piece tri-suit. So if you're wearing cycling shorts and then a, um, a tank top, the, uh, you go through an aid station, you got no place to put a water bottle, or it's one of these skinny water bottles that if you put it in a bottle cage, it's going to fall right out. Reach behind your back, jam your finger, <laughs> not in your butt, jam your finger between the fabric at the top of your bike shorts and the crack of your butt, pull it back and twist your hand and put the uh, water bottle in the crack of your butt. And it will stay there, and it does that thing that I said where it fills the gap behind you and in the crack of your butt, but that's not really important. It'll fill the air gap behind you. It's, um, it's really aerodynamic, and Ferris also tan used to do that, probably still does all the time, with a Speedo on. And he won Ironman uh, Hawaii Kona, uh, I don't know, like 2004. So it actually works. And I've done it a million times and nobody has said anything to me about it. They're probably terrified. They're probably like, who's that weirdo? But so don't worry about what people think. It actually works. Okay. So thank you, Becky. I hope that explains a lot on how to set up your bike. Um, I post pictures on Instagram of my bike setups and, um, I don't really describe them all that much, but you can kind of see what's going on there. It's pretty cool. And let's see, I have another tip for you. Green tea in your fuel. I wanted to share this with everybody because I was reading something the other day and there's a new flavor of something coming out and it's got black tea in it. And, uh, and raspberry is the flavor. Maybe like Goo or something. I don't know, whatever brand it is. And, um, and they, got, they said they got the idea from a pro that um, likes to put black tea in their um, fuel for the caffeine and it tastes good and stuff like that. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to try something. And I made green tea in the uh, microwave, you know, like I brewed some green tea. And um, then and I did two bags. That way it's like a little bit of extra caffeine. And then I poured that in my bottle, my fuel bottle, as the base water. And then I poured in all my maltodextrin powder and Gatorade powder and uh, salt stick 
uh, sodium, uh, electrolyte pills, all in that. So, um, and then added more water, you know, to mix it all up. But anyway, I had green tea in my, in my fuel, uh, for my caffeine. And the cool thing about green tea is it's got two features about it that are nice. One, it's got caffeine that's longer lasting and less jittery. And if you get caffeine that's in like gels, you know, that's added in after the fact, that's, that's like lab caffeine. And that shit is jittery and will hurt your stomach and is, I mean, it's really hard on your body. You can tell. Um, it's, it's worse than coffee as far as like, much, much worse as far as like, like it's too chemically pure, you know? And so green tea's caffeine is, um, smoother, um, longer lasting. It's, it's more gentle and, um, won't hurt your stomach. And then also there's another chemical in uh, green tea, L, L, I can't remember what it's called, but anyway, that has kind of like a, like a relaxing effect. So it makes you both alert, but chilled out at the same time, which is really nice under the stress of racing. And I've definitely, I definitely, definitely liked it. I liked it a lot, like a lot. (laughs) And so again, how you do it is when you're getting your, you're getting ready to go on your bike ride, brew a cup of green tea and you can make it as strong as you want. You can put one tea bag in there, two tea bags, three tea bags. And then by the time you're getting, you're all dressed and you got your bike tires, uh, aired up, stuff like that. Green tea will be nice and brewed and strong. You pour that into your water bottle and that'll fill up, you know, like half your water bottle and then pour in whatever you add for your uh, fuel. Like, I don't know, you could do gels or, you know, whatever you're doing. I use maltodextrin powder and Gatorade powder right now. And, um, and, uh, yeah, so that's how you do it. works really well. And let's see. Also, lately, I have been listening to a really good audiobook called uh, Urban Monk. <laughs> and uh, the author is kind of a, um, he's a Westerner, but that was Eastern trained and then came back to the West and um, really did a lot of work on trying to um, help people out uh, medically and also with lifestyle, and it's just chock full of really good tips and tricks on how to um, not get so stressed out in modern society. And there's segments which are big into herbs and blah, 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 and all that stuff. And um, any, any section of the book that you don't like, it'll be over pretty quick because it moves on to another uh, thing that's really interesting. So that's on, uh, it's available on audible.com. And... By the way, there's also a podcast out, Joe Rogan. What was the guy's name? Let me see if I can find it real quick. Hold on. You're going to hear me click on my phone. And uh, he's interviewing a ultra runner that's also a bow hunter. And the ultra runner is actually pretty good. And he's 48 years old. So he's got a little bit of wisdom behind him. And let me see if I go here. If I can. I know I saved his name. Cameron Haynes is the interview. Uh with Joe Rogan and they spend the first half of the show talking about what it's like ultra running and being out there and all the endurance and the mindset and how difficult it really, really is. And this guy just finished a 100 miler. Oh, and he's totally like a normal average guy. He works at like for a city in Oregon where they get drug tested, you know, like he's just like a, 
uh, it works like maybe like the fresh water plant or something. I don't know, but, um, really hold on. I got to change this up. Uh, okay. And uh, let's go back. Uh, really just, um, a good interview. I'm only about halfway through it, but that also reminds me, um, there's another podcast called running on Om, and it's like Om, like Om, and the, um, the girl's voice that runs the show is a trip on how she talks. She's, uh, she should not be doing a podcast and should be a voice, a voiceover actress doing commercials because her voice is just mind blowing, like how crisp and clear it is. And, uh, it's almost distractingly, uh, good. But then, um, she interviewed a guy that broke the record for climbing all this, the, you know, the, the tallest peak in each continent, and then also going to the North and South pole all in the shortest amount of time. And the guy happens to be an ex professional triathlete. And, um, it was either in that interview or in another one where she was talking to somebody else that she, um, the guy was saying that the reason you do ultra distance stuff like Ironmans or Ultraman or, you know, ultra running is, uh, to get alone time. And if you listen to a lot of Zen and, uh, Buddhist stuff, uh, and this is, oh, by the way, this is your Zen moment, uh, portion of the show. Uh, you'll notice that, you know, the whole meditation thing is really, they talk about that a lot and to find quiet time so that you can watch your thoughts because when you're involved in your thoughts and you're just going about and you're distracted and you're out doing stuff all the time, um, your thoughts seem real, uh, because you're living them right that moment. You know, I'm angry at that guy. Oh, I can't find a parking spot. Gosh, it's hot, you know, and, uh, because you're, you're in the middle of doing things. And so you think that, um, you could somehow like change things <laughs> for the better because you're always complaining in your own mind. But if you can get quiet and you can get away and sit in an environment with very little stimulation, so like a dark room, you know, whatever, it doesn't have to be zero stimulation, but something quiet. And, um, you'll notice that and try to quiet your thoughts, right? Well, the, the irony, the secret, the trick that they're playing on you is that you can't. I've, I've been meditating three years and I still can't quiet my mind. And then the master will be like, correct. <laughs> but it took you three years of trying to, uh, you needed three years of trying to actually believe it, you know, that you can't, you cannot quiet your mind, uh, that it's just going to keep, that's the way it's wired. It just keeps, it's called the monkey mind. It keeps chattering and jamming away, blah, 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 blah. Oh, my neighbor got a new car and I don't have a new car. They must be better than me. You know, how do I, my kid doesn't have the right, uh, fashion clothes to be cool in school, you know, and, nah, 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 you know, <clears throat> how do I get gold rims on my low rider? But the, uh, the thing is you can, um, if you, if you can find quiet time, then you can watch your thoughts as they go by and then you can start going, oh, well, that's a dumb thought. And then, oh, that's a valuable thought, right? And to, um, to be able to judge your thoughts and see what's important and what's not, you need to be kind of, uh, instead of a human doing, be a human being and just be still <laughs> and, and, uh, and get, you know, alone and ultra running and ultra distant stuff like a long, long bike ride 
uh, with no radio, no um, podcast or anything like that is a really good environment to be alone with yourself. And then when you're alone with yourself, you can actually feel uh, what's important. And that's the... um, that's, that's your Zen moment of the show is if you want to meditate and you want to see what's important, um, there's a lot of value in going long and uh, getting really, really quiet. And that's where you kind of discover yourself and what's important to you. That's really neat. Okay, then um, we're going to get into the training log next where um, I'll tell you a little bit about the details of how to actually train uh, for... Ironman level stuff. I've uh, I've gotten uh, my training up to a level volume wise and intensity wise, where it's right at supposedly on paper, it's right at the peak peak end of um, what's like theoretically uh, Kona qualifier um, volume and intensity. And so it's really cool stuff. And there's graphs and charts and uh, things like that. But on, on a side note, there's also a Zen. I don't know if it's Zen. It's just smart. <laughs> uh, there's there's a um, uh, there's a old saying with uh, I don't know how old it is, but it's not that long ago. Because the thing is, is somebody a, a Christian a Christian monk approached a Zen master or, a, I don't know, a Zen uh, Buddhist master, I don't know, but, and, and started um, telling, telling him about Jesus and was like, so Jesus, you know, does this and he does that and he says this and he says peace and um, help your neighbor and, and be kind and forgiveness and stuff. Uh, so what about that? And I guess the reaction he wanted was like, oh, I should be a Christian instead of a, a Zen monk. And uh, because that sounds so good, and the, <laughs> the Zen monk said, "Wow, that that Jesus sounds like a real Zen guy. <laughs> it's so crazy." Anyway, um, I don't know why I wanted to say that, but it's really funny. <clears throat> we all have our own perspectives on things. Oh, the um, the training volume and stuff. Oh, so the uh, thing I wanted to say was, if you don't, I heard something the other day, and it's. It could be Zen, but whatever it is, it's just wise, and um, that's that's what the Zen guy and the Jesus thing is about. It's you know, wisdom is wisdom; doesn't matter where it comes from. And the um, it was an open mouth can gather no foot. <laughs> if you don't talk about something, then you don't end up. You can't stick your foot in your mouth for saying something stupid. And so I want to be really careful and say that when I'm training at the level for Kona qualifier, that is a completely different thing than actually qualifying for Kona for itself because there's a big joke out there about, well, on paper, I should do this and do that, you know, and it's uh, what the race day is a completely different thing because your numbers on paper, especially for Ironman, are based on shorter workouts and your abilities at, at different stuff short. And what happens with Ironman is it is not just a physical fitness test. It's about half a physical fitness test. And that's where all your numbers come from, right? The other half is nutrition and how well you um, execute uh, your, an eating plan that doesn't slow you down. 
there's overfueling, there's underfueling, there's uh, not enough osmolality. Like it's, it's instead of being isotonic, your stuff is hypertonic or hypotonic, where like it doesn't want to absorb or it wants to absorb too fast and uh, makes you sick, you know. And then there's hydration and the heat, and then there's blistering, and then there's equipment failures, which is a lot of planning and experience, right? So we want to be really careful and say. Um, just because I've, I'm training at this level does not mean by any means, you know, like what kind of time I'm going to get. It gives you kind of like a reasonable expectation, but it is really, really cool to um, be training at that level and be able to share it with you all. So I want to make sure that I can share it with you about how to train at this level and then, um, but not, let's not go as far as to, to expect or assume anything is going to be the result at, at Whistler. We're just going to have fun there. Somebody was asking me about that this morning. They said, are you, are you, uh, are you looking to PR, you know, personal record, uh, looking to qualify for Kona? And I said, I, I mean, yeah, but you don't actually do that at race day on an Ironman, you know? Um, it having your best race at an Ironman or any kind of long distance thing, I say that begins like five months, maybe nine months out. Um, and then you just get as fit and as smart as you possibly can. And then on race day, you just, you just race with the body that you, and the brains that you got that, you know, that you brought with you that you learned over the past uh, nine months. So you can't really PRing on race day is a whole lot of um, not what you do on race day. It's about 99% of what you did leading up to race day. And um, so it's like an attitude and a commitment to, um, to training correctly leading up to it. And so I said, I don't know what I'm going to do when I get there. We'll find out. <laughs> PRs are always nice. Yeah, it's a tough course though. So uh, PR would be actually pretty hard because there's freaking mountains in this thing. And my best race, I think I did 11 hour one time, uh, was uh, here in Texas. It was hot, but it was uh, rolling uh, here in College Station. So um, anyway, so enough disclaimers right there. And so let's start off before we get into uh, the actual training, but to talk about the opposite of training and it's the rest and uh, recovery, and on that, um, of course, life happens. I got lifed, and we got a new puppy, and this puppy was six, seven months old when we got her, and just tearing up the house, up in the middle of the night, wrestling with our other dog, which is both funny and loud and annoying as hell, peeing on stuff, digging up the yard, causing drama, causing arguments with me and Emily, like, you know, Cause she's the one that got the dog and I'm like, your dog is keeping me up <laughs> and your dog pissed on my, uh, on my this or that again, you know? And, uh, of course, you know, it's our dog, but the, um, the, uh, the, you got to really watch out when you, when you start training for something that, um, you don't, you try to minimize the amount of, of stressors and you say, well, why don't we get the puppy like after, uh, Ironman, uh, Canada or whatever you're doing. Right. And you, you try to minimize that stuff if, if possible, you know, and, um, of course the dog's worth it, you know, and there's always other Ironmans and she's cute. So it's not that big of a deal. Another one is, 
um, well, taking times to nap. Whenever you feel like you need a nap, take a nap. And then the but the other big thing is traveling. So every summer I go to San Diego for a week. It's you know it's it's a, a work week and then it's ended bookended with uh, two weekends. And a lot of it's in San Diego. And yeah, San Diego is like great training grounds and stuff like that. But with the travel and everything else and staying in a hotel and, and you know, the flights and stuff like that. And I go to this thing like every year. This year on purpose because of Ironman Canada, I said, uh, I'm not going this year. I sent somebody else instead of me. She would have gone anyway. But I said, you go. Tell me what happens at this big conference. It's a work thing, you know. And uh, keep me posted. I'm going to stay here this year. I'm going to take a break from going to this thing, uh, which I did a f- like five years ago as well. And it was nice to take a break. And then um, I'll go again next year and catch back up with all the, all the cool stuff. And that was hard to do, you know, to, to uh, turn down something. But I knew, I looked at the calendar. And the week that this thing is going on is this week. And the, that would have been three weeks out from Ironman Canada. And um, instead of going to that, I decided to stay here and uh, get in, hopefully get in better training. And, um, and it's really important. And uh, my training log and my numbers are actually uh, reflecting it. It's, it was like a really smart decision so far. We'll, we'll see. If uh, I missed out on something huge... Um, well, it's kind of like news, you know, if it's important enough, you'll hear about it. And, uh, the, um, if I missed out on something, yeah, I'll find out. Um, it was weird making that sacrifice going, you know, I'm not going that thing this year. I was at a meeting, uh, yesterday and they said, why aren't you at that thing that's going on over here? And I said, oh, you know, I decided not to go this year and just take a break. I didn't want to get into it. Other people that aren't into triathlon, they don't want to hear about triathlon. (laughs) If you're not into triathlon, you probably made it two minutes into this podcast and you probably said, you know, no thanks. I'm out. I can't take this. Oh my gosh. Triathletes are like vegans. We got to tell everybody and uh, we got to tell them now and it's the most important thing in the world and other people don't want to hear it. Okay. Ah, That's it. I need to take a break from recording and uh, get back to doing something else and uh, let's run a, let's run an ad and then um, we'll pick right back up uh, with in the training, in the uh, training I'm doing, you accumulate points. I'm going to talk to you about how to train by points, and it is awesome because it's so clear, it's so simple, it demystifies everything, and you can actually target what you need to do per day, per week, and then per month, and then build up. And uh, Training Peaks makes these graphs, and it's it's a beautiful, beautiful thing, and. Um, you can you can uh, target the training that you know you want and uh, build it over time, and it's really really cool. So we're going to cover that next, right after this message. Here we go. All right, let's talk about Salt Stick. So I looked at last week's ad, and it was like eight minutes long. We don't need to do that. That's crazy because Salt Stick's actually really simple. So let's get the message to you real quick. So Salt Stick is sodium electrolyte capsules. Super easy to take, and they make uh, more stuff, different stuff, but it's really all about the electrolytes. And I have the capsules, and I absolutely love them. So this morning, I uh, decided I only wanted about half as much uh, electrolyte as that is in one salt stick capsule. So what I did is the capsules are um, the kind where you can just kind of twist a little bit and open them. 
It's really cool. And then I, I uh, with my finger, I tapped. I went tap, 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 tap. And then I tapped out about half of it into my uh, bottle of fuel that I had made. I had um, a little bit of Gatorade powder and about a two-to-one ratio of maltodextrin powder to Gatorade powder in there. And there's not much sodium in that. So I was like, oh, I'm going to add some salt sticks. I just reached in my salt stick little uh, bottle and uh, pulled out one capsule and put about half in there. And then guess what? You know, I didn't have to throw the other half away. I took the other half of the capsule and, and uh, well, I put the capsule ends back together. So I got the other half for uh, another workout. And it's only because I was doing like an hour workout, you know, so I'm not, and I was indoors. So I wasn't like sweating like crazy. But what I'm talking about is when you buy a lot of fuels, the sodium, it's got all, they have a lot of sodium built in and you can't do much about it. And the cool thing about getting your own sodium and electrolyte from the outside and mixing it as needed is you can customize your own formula and save a ton of money. You go up, down, you know, dependent, like I said, indoors, outdoors, heat, how long the workout is. And that's really, really cool. So, yeah, I had a, a great workout this morning just cruising along, looking at my numbers going, whoa, this is good stuff. And... Uh, didn't uh, throw any extra sodium in my st- my fuel didn't make me sick to my stomach so you can do the same thing super cool oh I also keep salt stick capsules um, there's a dispenser that they make and then so I have some in there and then I also just put them in a little snack size ziploc and have them in my bento box so I can just open that up and uh, grab some and in my running bottle that I run with I can uh, it's got a little zipper on the little handle. Uh, it's like this fabric handle. I think, uh, who makes it? Amphipod or Nathan? Anyway, um, I can open that up and grab my little Ziploc of, of uh, salt stick capsules and take one if I need it. And yeah, that's how I, that's how I roll. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so you can go to uh, Shop Salt Stick. Let me get all this stuff here. Uh, ShopSaltStick.com at, uh, and get 25% off with your order. Uh, if you use discount code ZENTRY25, 25% off is a lot, people. So you want to use that. Um, I believe that is only available in the U.S., but you can go to saltstick.com and check out uh, their store locator. And they have stores around the world, more than 30 countries and go grab you some salt stick. Um, it's not just sodium. It's a profile that matches your sweat, what you sweat out. So you're putting it right back in. And if you don't put enough electrolyte back into your um, what you're putting in your body, then it does what you're putting in your body doesn't work. And you can customize it to the exact amount that you need by uh, keeping it separate and putting it in as needed. It's really really cool. It's really smart. And at Zentri, we're smart, so you definitely want to do that. So again. Discount code, 25% off with Zentry25 at shopsaltstick.com. And the stuff is amazing. Make your water stick with salt stick. Okay, now let's roll on with, I said we're going to talk a little bit about training by chronic training load, training by numbers, and the beauty, the zen of training by numbers. And... The reason it is simple and beautiful is all you got to do is just do the numbers. And you do the numbers by day and by week, and then that adds up uh, to months. And then, boom, you have an idea of about how fit you are. And remember earlier I was saying, you know, what's on paper doesn't really play out exactly on, um, 
on race day, but man, it can get you close and it feels good to know potentially what you could do. So Training Peaks has um, a feature. Training Peaks is the training software. It has a feature where you can get a training stress score for your workout. And so what that is, is if you went all out for an hour, that would be a hundred points about if you basically killed yourself for an hour. So an hour time trial, an hour sprint, I don't think you sprint for an hour, but an hour all out swim, bike, run, right? So uh, each one of those workouts would be worth a hundred points. Well, that would probably be pretty rare. So most likely you get somewhere between 60 and 80, you know, 90 points, right? And uh, Training Peaks knows how many points you get because you put into Training Peaks your, um, you put it in your thresholds, like what you think or what you know you could do for an hour if you killed yourself out there. And so then it grades it on a scale of 1 to 100, right? So a, um, a one-hour run at a pretty good effort, you know, might get you 80 points. Uh, a two-hour bike ride at you know, a pretty lazy effort might get you a hundred points because you're out there for two hours, but probably, you know, not, but a two hour ride at a pretty good effort, uh, might get you 160 points, you know? So it just, it compounds as it goes along. And what's nice is this, uh, this, along with your hours of training, it tells you like how hard you you've been working out, right? Now, what it what Training Peaks does on top of that is it takes all the intensity and, and training load and you know all this training stress and it starts adding it up and I believe it goes back five months and you know five months ago doesn't count much at all today but yesterday counts a lot and the um, uh, it can, Training Peaks can create a graph. And it's got this number on it called chronic training load. And I posted it on Instagram. I guess maybe I'll post it on zentriathlon.com again of my chronic training load build since last around Christmas. So there's a drop off because I fell down and ate crap and uh, broke my elbow. So I wasn't training much around then. And also you need to take a break. And you see this big drop off in chronic training load. It's the dark blue line with gray under it. And then, and this graph has all kinds of other stuff on it. And then you can see as the uh, training load uh, starts picking up again for Galveston, it starts going up and up and up, and the dates are along the bottom. And then it uh, climbs, um, there's a dip after Galveston, and taking a break, and then it starts climbing again more and more and more towards Ironman Canada. Okay. So, told you how to get these numbers, but the thing is, like, what numbers are you looking for? Well, in the uh, world of trying to qualify for Kona, it's uh, around about uh, a chronic training load of about 140 points, uh, 140 or more, uh, for, uh, for your peak training load, so like a few weeks out. Uh, from your race, you need to be up around 140 points. And how do you get to 140 points? Well, it's unfortunate, but their point scoring systems are uh, different for your daily versus your um, 
for your daily uh, for like a single workout's training stress score. Remember, I said on a scale of one to one to one hundred. Well, the um, uh, those those add up to your one forty. Except, yeah, they're it's different for whatever reason. So you need about I think it's around eleven hundred training stress score points. So that would be like eleven workouts all out right for an hour that'd be like 11 hours all out <laughs> um, to get 1100 points by the end of the week and training peaks has a summary that you can add to the end of your week so you could see how many hours you worked out and you can see how many miles of each sport that you did and you can see your training stress score and the cool thing about training peaks is it shows you what you planned to do versus what you actually did do i think it shows elevation gain and all this other stuff right and so that's really cool so you can see how many points um, and how many miles and how many hours you're targeting for the end of the week. And you can um, see uh, how far off you are and make sure that you get there by the end of the week. And that's where we start getting into the, the zen and the relaxation and the laid back and the flow of all this, all this stuff because you start to learn what it takes to get to where you want to go because you're getting immediate feedback that you're either doing it right or you're doing too much or you're doing too little. And then if you get off track, you know that you're off track and then you can um, auto-correct. Well, not auto, you got to correct yourself to get back on course. So a really good example is last week, um, I got a whole bunch of training in on one day on a Saturday and then I did that on purpose because Sunday we needed to go to a kid's triathlon and I knew I wasn't going to be able to train much on Sunday. Uh, so I kind of overdid it on Saturday a little bit um, instead of kind of balancing the load. But then on Sunday, I, I knew I was short 80, 82.7 points <laughs> to hit 1,100 by the, uh, by the end of the week. And that's so cool because on your... Um, Garmin uh, computers, I'm not sure if Sunto and Polar do, do this, but you can display how many uh, training stress score points, it's TSS, this workout is currently giving you. So I rode my bike on Sunday afternoon until I hit uh, more than 82.7 points. I, I went 90 points just, you know, to be on the safe side. And um, then I had a, over 1,100 for the week. And that over 1100 for the week translates into, um, you know, a chronic training load uh, that will give me uh, 140 or higher uh, uh, on the chronic training load scale for the week. And I got to say, it's really, really nice <laughs> to be able to know what you're targeting and, and, uh, and what you need to do. And uh, the clarity in numbers, there's... There's this thing where like people say, oh, you know, they get their, they turn off their brain when they start hearing numbers and all. Oh, I just want to train this way, and, and uh, this is too much. You're you're taking all the fun out of it and stuff. And it's like, well, on one side, yes, you're correct, but on the other side, it is a lot of fun to know what you're doing is actually the right thing. And it's like walking, and you know, you want to walk from here. I live in Texas. I want to walk to. Um, New York City, and uh, I could either get a map and and follow a route to New York City and enjoy it, <laughs> or I can spend a lot of time asking questions along the way 
asking people if I'm going the right way and then never really knowing and just kind of guessing until I meet the next person, right? So, I mean, that's like the difference. And one way allows you to really enjoy it and take in all that's going on and, and improve as you're doing it. And the other way, you're, you're just not really sure. Sunto has a really good uh, uh, logo, motto that they used to use, a slogan called Replacing Luck. Because <laughs> they do a lot of mountaineering stuff and diving stuff. And yeah, you don't want to go by luck. Uh, I don't know how I qualified for Kona. Oh, or I don't know how I got top 10 in my age group at this one race. I don't know. I just kind of trained by whatever. Or you could train by these numbers. And what's really cool is the numbers that they they know, the top coaches and training peaks know about the chronic training load and the training stress score or whatever. These are numbers accumulated by them by parsing through it's hundreds of thousands of, of workouts and you know thousands of athletes and finding out you know who did what and what they did and so now, now they know the numbers and it's really really cool so training peaks is free and um the thing is uh, the, only, the, the paid version of training peaks doesn't allow you to put workouts in the future or races in the future you can only do today or in the past that's where they get you so that you'll buy a training peaks account because um yeah you want to kind of plan it so what i did for this week is I planned out my workouts. You know, I put them, okay, this is my ideal week, and you can drag and drop workouts in Training Peaks. And uh, this is my ideal week of what I can do. And then Emily says, oh, you know, it's 4th of July weekend, so what about on Friday we do this? And, oh, there's a triathlon club meeting on Wednesday night, so can you uh, go to that instead? And I'm like, well, let me look. And I kind of just drag and drop, seriously, just drag and drop workouts around. And I go, yeah, that'll work. And, um, and I can still look. It auto-calculates everything at the end of the week. And then you can see what you got to do. So that's the way I coach uh, myself and uh, lots of athletes over the years. Gosh, dozens and dozens and dozens of athletes over the years. And um, uh, because there's a lot more to training than just the numbers. There's uh, the course, you know, how hilly is the course. Um, there's the heat. There's the fuel, how, how important fueling is and learning how to fuel uh, like we talk about with salt stick, you know, like uh, sodium, uh, hydration, um, learning the course, bike handling skills, nuances of, of timing. You know, sure, you could get uh, 1,100 points in a week, but if, <laughs> you know, how do you do it balanced so it just doesn't explode your legs? And, um, and also the buildup, you know, week after, you know, like two, three weeks up and then a week easy. You know, when to mix in uh, rest days, um, and then also having a second person outside you um, listen to you and the way you're talking and read from your writing language and your body language that, uh, yeah, you're probably overtrained. You probably need to take, you know, a few more days off. Um, and then also all the injury recovery resources that a coach knows and everything else. So anyways, I do coaching this way and it's fail safe. It works wonderfully. It's good stuff. So if you want to get coaching, send me an email at Texafornia, T-E-X-A. Uh, there's a girl that I don't know who's T-E-X-I and she hates getting our emails. <laughs> and so T-E-X-A, Texafornia because I used to live in California and now I live in Texas. So texafornia at gmail.com. Drop me a note 
and uh, we'll talk about coaching. I only charge 200 bucks a month. A lot of coaches, uh, for what I for what I do and the level, uh, charge uh, twice that. Sometimes five hundred dollars for the level of um, of uh, personal detail, customized workouts made specifically for you. I don't do. I don't copy and paste a plan that's like months long. I build your workouts uh, per day, per week, and uh, that's how I roll. So, and that way you get your best results out of it. I, I read your notes on what you do, what how it felt, and then I build more for you based on how you're feeling. So we can keep going up and up and up and start looking at that chronic training load and those training stress scores and all that stuff. Okay, let's... Uh, move away from that and I want to see if um, I want to give you a couple more tips. In the summer heat, I've got a friend that's training uh, for an Ironman and he's doing uh, six hour bike rides which which is great Um, but if it's really hot where you are, you might want to move you might want to do shorter bike rides. Chrissy Wellington is famous for saying uh, there's no value in anything more than a three or three and a half hour bike ride. <laughs> and uh, then uh, do the run on a treadmill and do like five and a half hours on the bike. Uh, maybe six hours, like three hours on the bike and an hour and a half, you know, two hours on the run brick right after that indoors. That's what I've been doing. And that teaches you to uh, brick run better and how your fueling on the bike affects your run. And, um, yeah, just, uh, stuff like that. And, um, I wanted to give an injury update. I've, um, managed to uh, roll my ankle and, and puff it up like a, uh, like a softball. And then, um, (laughs) I, uh, I managed to uh, fix it in a few days. I wonder, did I talk about that already? Posted a picture on Instagram of that. And, um, yeah, so let's go ahead and go into uh, show donations and see if we've missed anything else in the show. And then I'll talk about uh, the Trek speed concept that I managed to snag and um, why I got that model of bike. I've been promising that for a while once it showed up. Um, you know, what's cool about it right after this uh, little uh, bit on uh, who's been helping sponsor the show. Here we go. All right, let's take a break from the show and hop in here to talk about show donors and Hornet Juice. These are the people that keep the show on the air. And by the way, this is the very last thing that I'm recording for the show. The stuff you hear after this, I actually recorded, I don't know, like a week, a week and a half ago, some of it, and during peak weeks of training and going back and editing the show, I can hear the pauses in my voice as I'm just tired and just dragging ass as I'm trying to uh, keep it together, putting in the peak weeks of training for Ironman Canada. And I apologize for that, but that's that's authentic. That's what this really takes <laughs> to get this done. And uh, now we're into taper mode. I've done a week of about half the volume that I usually do, and then next week is about half of that. And then on that Sunday, we roll right into the race and watching all the numbers and making sure that I'm... Uh, uh, rehabbing nicely. And yeah, so that's all good. Let's go ahead and get started with show donors. Justice Phillips, my ultra running buddy. How's it going, man? He's run, uh, 
rim to rim. Did he do rim to rim to rim? I don't, I don't remember if he did that or just rim to rim. Just, yeah, that's insane, man. Good job, Justice. Uh, send in a donation. Uh, Jonathan Woodman, Han Chu, Matt Crehan, uh, Katie Joe. How's it going, Katie? And James Godek, Eduardo sent in an email, even though that's a Latin Hispanic name. I don't know, is it Hispanic or is it Latin? I used to know the difference. But anyway, the um, I think he's in Israel. Let's go ahead and see if this is, or he's in Ireland. I don't know. I haven't read this in a while. So let's check it out. Pop it open here and it says, hello again, Coach Brett. I'm back from Galway, Ireland, where after 16 hours, 24 minutes, I've I concluded my first full distance challenge. It's hard to describe the feeling after crossing the finish line, but one of those things I felt was a lot of gratitude to my body, to my soul, and my mind, which were with me all the way in perfect harmony. Yeah, hey, when I first did my, um, when I did my first ever Ironman, I did it on my own totally self-supported and when I realized I was going to finish I had like I don't know a mile left or something like that uh I remember just going oh my god I've done something with my body you know I've fulfilled my body's purpose we were put on this earth to be awesome and uh by whatever and uh I did it I did it I did it I did it all this training all this uh you know be awesome be the best that you can be, be all that you can be. And, uh, I actually did it, man. So I know how you feel. It's awesome when that happens. Um, to my kids who were with me and their thoughts, to my friends who sent me good energies from far away, to my sweetheart, which after I finished, which after finished her half, her half challenge. Oh, cool. So she did a half, you did a full, stayed around to push me in the hard moments. And there were many three exclamation points. And to you, Coach Brett, for your tips and podcasts full of wisdom and good intentions. <laughs> I like that. Good intentions. <laughs> no visible defects, uh, which were with me during the long training rides. Uh, I learned a lot and got inspired. Yes, triathlon is a lifestyle. Listen to this show and we will help you live it. Uh, yesterday, I was riding my first long bicycle ride after the event. Oh man, that's a, that's tough to do dude uh after the event and i was listening to your last podcast where there were there you were reading the first email i sent you before the competition i feel there is a lot of synchronicity between us and that is good that is good good um i'm back to my workouts and looking forward to my next challenge I was the first in my category and the only one, three exclamation points. So I got a slot for championship 70.3 in Samoran Slovakia, Slovakia uh, on June 2017. And I decided to take it. I'll be there. Cool. On that note, there's a... Oh, I'll keep that to myself. Uh, Chattanooga. And let's see. Uh, regarding Amrita bars, they worked pretty well. About Hornet juice, I don't know. Because the package didn't arrive on time for me to take it with me. Uh, yeah, that can happen sometimes. And uh, let's see. I will keep learning from your Zen philosophy, uh, listening and enjoying your podcast. You take care and please send my regards to all the family, including the cat and dogs. Of course, all the best, Eduardo. Where did I think that was from? Israel. Maybe in my, 
my brain history, I got Ireland and Israel, the eyes, uh, mixed up. But anyway, um, yeah, dude, that's really cool. Isn't it cool going back and, and, uh, finding something that you did a while back and then seeing how far you've come. And yeah, on the Zen philosophy, I've mentioned, um, over the years, people ask me how I got started. And when I started training, uh, I started listening to Zen podcasts by Zen masters and just, you know, lectures, um, on how to think. That's all Zen is, is how to think better. And that's all philosophy is, is a, you know, like stoicism, trying, uh, Buddhism, um, they're all patterns of thinking and, and frames of mind. And you, uh, all I'm doing is telling you what I've learned uh, through triathlon and p- applying it to real life and then seeing how it turns out. turns out it's mostly true. Works pretty good. Okay, so thanks, Eduardo. And uh, Dwayne Morin sent in a donation. Joseph Diber or Deber. Joseph uh, Rogalski. What's up, dude? He's got a cool BMC. Uh, Richard Tragut, uh, Tyler Moyer, Houston Marsh. And Houston and I uh, talked a little bit lately about racing. And James Von Hippel and Spiros Fetzes. What's up? And Matthew Heinz. Hey, dude. He and I just talked about something. Maybe it's Iron Man. Uh, the full Iron Man here in Texas in the woodlands near Houston might move south to uh, Galveston. And we'll see how that turns out. Uh, still hotter than hell if they plan to do it when they say they're going to do it. Jessica Woodruff, Matthew Froese, Allison Frutos. And next week, I've got a note here. I might talk about variability index and why latex tubes and how to use them properly. We'll see how that goes. All right. That's enough of that. Let's get back to the show. Uh, let's go back in time and uh, go back where I'm uh, out there just killing myself training. <laughs> I'm so glad it's over. <laughs> I'm so glad. Oh, man. I'm, I'm really got my act together, but I've got a fatal flaw in that my feet still hurt. I've got plantar fasciitis in my feet, and that is not going to end up well on this run. And I got to decide what to do about Uberman. Um, do I just not do anything until my feet heal up, which would probably be pretty smart. And I could swim and bike, but man, running just seems to tear them up. And, uh, yeah, so I'm kind of stuck. I need to, uh, decide. And I guess we'll find out coming up soon. I was going to kind of wait until after uh, Canada and see how I do there and see where that leads and what I want to do after that before I do anything else. And Uberman is the only thing I've signed up for. Uh, on the Chattanooga thing, uh, Austin 70.3, a couple years ago, I think. I don't think it was last, maybe it was last year. But anyway, I did it, and I got 10th in my age group, and I missed a spot by like three or four spots to Worlds. And Worlds, if I go this year, and I try really, really hard, and if I happen to manage to qualify for Worlds, um, the uh the races in Chattanooga and my grandparents old lake house is an hour from Chattanooga on Watts Bar Lake just upstream from uh, Chattanooga and I grew up in that area and I would love to go back so the world just when you're trying to get out 
they drag you back in, you know? I'm like, I need to let my feet heal. Oh, but in October, there's a race where I could qualify to race in, uh, at the big race in, uh, in Chattanooga, which would be wonderful. I'd be so excited to race there. I love that part of the country. It's so beautiful. And uh, our family could gather there. We'd have a place to stay. And it'd be really, really neat. So just when you think you're out, they drag you back in, right? Okay, let's go ahead and get back to the rest of the show. Here we go. Hello. All right. I'm on my way to the pool. It's, uh, you probably hear the air conditioner blowing like crazy. It's 95 degrees here. Uh, Sunday afternoon, July 3rd, the day before the 4th of July. And did a big ride yesterday and then had to take a pause for a while, eat some lunch and rehydrate and take a nap for a little bit before I hit the treadmill and started running. And the, um, uh, today, all the numbers are good and everything like that. Uh, weighing myself uh, before and after these long rides outside and even the treadmill run last night or yesterday afternoon to uh, stay on top of hydration and see how much water I actually need is uh, really, really handy. Super easy to do. And... The, um, the setup on the bike, remember earlier I was talking about you have a clearish between the between the arms aero bottle in front of you on the bike. And what's cool about that is you can drain that on, a, on an interval and then you know you're hydrating correctly. So if I polish that thing off and it holds a lot of water, like probably 30 ounces or something like that. If I drain that every half hour then I know my rate of intake and I finish it on the half hour and I fill it again and then uh, you know drain it fill it again drain it and so uh, that's a, a really good mechanism for timing your hydration intake and I was on the bike this morning went out for a two-hour ride numbers to this morning exactly the same as yesterday so recovery is awesome and uh, numbers are really good and the uh, also, I, I uh, started a new trick with the um, salt stick pills where the big thing with base salt is you know, it's got this little kind of chapstick size uh, container that you pop the lid on and then you put some on your, you turn it upside down and put some on your thumb and then you lick your thumb and then, and then put it back in your pocket. Well, I've tried that because uh, I picked some up at Ironman Texas a year ago and then had it uh, the containers, I mean, kind of cool, you know, and I had it for, um, I tried using it for a while and just filled it with my own salt. And the, uh, the problem I ran into is once stuff starts getting sweaty and wet, well, the lid doesn't want to close on that thing and the salt inside gets all kinds of, um, but jams the lid and then you can't close it all the way and then it gets more and more wet and then stuff won't come out. And then you're trying to do this with one hand, you're trying to turn things upside down you know, and lick your hand, and now you're riding with one hand, and bam! <laughs> the little doe puts her little doe lips down by the creek with her big brown eyes, and then the hunter shoots her right between the eyes. Bam! That's from my cousin, Benny. You gotta check it out. Anyway, uh, what I found that's uh, really cool, I swear I just figured this out this morning, 
was, because I've kind of done it, but I haven't done it like this. I took the uh, salt stick capsule and I, you know, pulled it, I had a Ziploc baggie out of my bento box. Opened it up out of the Ziploc baggie, put it in my mouth, put the Ziploc bag back in the bento box. And uh, you don't need to seal it. It'll, it'll be fine. And the, uh, I chew on it a little bit until it starts to break open in my mouth. And as soon as it starts to break open and start salt starts spreading all over your mouth, then um, I uh, push it up between my lip with just my tongue, like between my upper lip and the front of my mouth, like on one side. And I alternate sides, 30 minutes on this side, and then the next 30 minutes when I take another pill, I put it on the other side. And the, the thing that... Uh, it's really cool about having salt in your mouth is your mouth can actually absorb it supposedly and then now it's not in your guts and you get that salty taste in your mouth which I think helps uh, alleviate cramps and then uh, you uh, and it stays up in your in the lip of your mouth for like 10 15 20 minutes and every time you take a sip of water more of it dissolves and goes into your digestive system so you get a slow release, um, hands-free, as much sodium as you want, in a uh, really cool, reliable way. I was like, man, I think I just figured something out, like something important, like really, really cool. And um, yeah, salt sticks, uh, awesome, and I, and I love it, uh, but this would work for a lot of different kind of uh, salt pill types and stuff. So I always try to help everybody here on the show. And then uh, this is a second week of, or maybe third week, of targeting, um, specifically trying to target training stress scores and trying not to overtrain or undertrain. And about middle of the week, I started feeling like crap. And so I backed off a little bit. And the next thing I knew, you know, it's the weekend. And I'm like, okay, well, I need this many points. And lo and behold, <laughs> I'm right on track because, and I feel fantastic because of tracking with uh, training stress score points. I'm at, I'm at like a thousand and ninety, so I need ten more points <laughs> to hit eleven hundred. And uh, that's uh, that's funny because you know I'm gonna go swim because it's, I haven't swam in uh, two days, and so today would be a great day to go swim. I'm pulling into the club right now. And um, and that'll give me, I don't know, between 50 and 70 points or something like that. And I'll be over the top. And it'll all be good. Isn't that cool? It's such a smart way to train. I love it. In fact, it's so smart. I'm going to look for a place to park in the shade. Is that shade parking right there? Kind of almost. Dang it. There's no shade. Feels like there should be shade here. See how close I can get. Ah, uh, yeah, there we go. Shade over the windshield. I'm trying to inch up, inch up, inch up, inch, there we go. Now put it in reverse, get off the curb. Okay, now put it in park. And we're going to leave it here for a second while I wrap this up. Okay, um, had the triathlon club meeting on Wednesday night. It's a good refresher on, you know, only certain people are into the long distance stuff. And, you know, so many people are into the short distance stuff. And the, um... A few people at the club said, I just want everybody to know 
but I'm not into going long. I want to be, I'm, I'm into being fast. And um, the, uh, the thing is, is once you get fast, <laughs> when you go long, you're not going any much slower, you know? So uh, just because somebody's going long, you know the, uh, the, the faster peeps are averaging um, 23 miles per hour on the bike, 20, you know, um, over an Ironman. And that's really fast over a sprint. <laughs> so just because uh, somebody goes long doesn't mean they're going slower. And just because you like to go fast, uh, that does not mean you need to stick with the short stuff. Um, you can you can go half Ironmans fast, man. We're going so fast on these triathlon bikes, all of us, uh, that um, it's really almost like riding motorcycles, man. They're so uh, skinny tires on on fast fast terrain. You know, uh, a little pothole here, a little stick there. I got a dog that chased after me. Just jumped out of the bushes, you know. And uh, your reaction times have to be, like, really, really fast. So it feels fast, man. And let's see, uh, that also reminded me, because I wanted to talk about that and about nutrition. When you're going short, the uh, you kind of seem to forget about nutrition. And, and uh, it doesn't seem to be that important. And it's really not. But it's still handy, handy stuff to know that when you're doing an hour you know, workout, you don't really need, you know, bottles of Gatorade and all of this other stuff, but I've got a cool trick for you. I've got a gel flask that I got, I guess with EFS, which is a fuel brand where I bought some of their stuff a while back. Um, and hammer also has a little gel flask where you can, you buy their gel or their fuel or whatever in bulk ish, like a container. And when you buy it, it comes with a little flask that's like six ounces or something like that. And um, what you can do that's kind of cool is you can fill that with like honey or um, maple syrup or I don't know, whatever your favorite thing. I guess Gatorade powder, maltodextrin powder, whatever. But the, um, uh, yesterday, on yesterday's ride, I had it filled with uh, dissolved... Uh, salt stick capsules so that I could take as much as I wanted um, right out of the bottle and do, it's already kind of diluted with water a little bit because I was trying to figure out you know how to how to um, eat them with uh, with water so they don't hurt your stomach if you take too much salt at once without enough water man it makes your stomach hurt and uh, when we had Jocelyn on here the other day she was talking about that so the uh, it's kind of silly to go for a one-hour swim and have a bottle of Gatorade, right? Because you're not going to need an entire bottle of Gatorade <laughs> on the side of the pool. Um, what I like to do is, uh, what I got here in my hand is I've got maple syrup, 100% Canadian real maple syrup, which is like 50 calories per tablespoon or something like that. And it's kind of a slower burn. It's really weird that it is, but it's true. And, um, and this flask, and I put that in a bottle of water by the side of the pool. And if I just want water, then I just drink water. If I'm like, mm, I could use a little pick me up of energy. Then I got the maple syrup 
and water to dilute it so it doesn't hurt uh, your stomach, my stomach. And uh, it's really, really cool. And every time I'm done with the flask, I put it back in the fridge and we're good to go. So um, tomorrow, I think we're going to wrap up the show. I'm going to try to go super long. It might be my last, last-ish, really long day. I got 4th of July off from work and I'm going to try to go, um, we'll see what happens. And we're going to try to go uh, long on the road, a little bit slower of a pace so that I can fuel and so I can run because, you know, it's all crazy hot and stuff like that. But I've got it in my little to-do list to um, to have it all, uh, you know, sped down, uh, have it all backed off and whatever so I can go long and, and test out fueling and stuff because we're getting really close to uh, race day. But right now we're about to hit the pool and just cruise and, and gather some points and mix in some intervals. Last swim I did... I did uh, what I called self-selected intervals. You swim easy for a while, then you swim hard for a while, you swim easy for a while, you swim hard for a while. How long you swim hard? You know, you swim until it kind of burns a little bit, and then you back off. And that's instead of doing like one minute hard, uh, four minutes easy, one minute hard, four minutes easy. You know, or like 200 sprint, uh, 500 cruise. Um, no, instead you just swim uh, easy to warm up and then um, hard for a while just like you would if you're out riding your bike you know you got like a hill and so actually that's what I imagine I'm doing I'm imagining that I'm swimming into a current and then as I'm swimming uh, I start speeding up and speeding up and speeding up and the current either gets stronger or I imagine I'm swimming uphill slightly like on a treadmill and I'm increasing the grade ever so slightly and um, then after a while this gentle increase you know, you can do like every 50 yards, speed it up a little bit, speed it up, speed it up, speed it up. You'll feel like you're starting to blow up. And uh, that's when you uh, stop, take a breather for a few seconds, swim uh, 50 yards, breaststroke, backstroke, whatever, kind of relax, and then start over again. And it works great. Kick ass, sea bass. All right, I'm going to go in and swim. Enough yakking. Let's go. All right, let's take a break from the show and talk about livingfuel.com man you know what the latest thing I've been doing with living fuel is they have an amino acid powder and if you add amino acids protein to your carbs it's uh, one of the strategies for going uh, lower carb higher fat kind of metabolism efficiency kind of thing it slows down the carbs and then it gets you in some protein that's really good for you anyway uh living fuel has some really high quality amino acids so when i finished my bike ride this morning i made a bottle of like half strength gatorade that way it's not too sugary and then um some of those amino acids from living fuel it's really cool but i've got a message for living fuel by the way i am out (laughs) of the green um, the green smoothie, that's my favorite one. And then there's like a berry smoothie powder mix. It's got like chia seeds and all kinds of cool stuff in it. And also they have these really cool, um, snack bars and like these coconut packets of chia seeds and coconut stuff. I am out. I don't know what to do with myself. I want, I wander around my kitchen and my house, like lost. I bump in the walls. I fall down. I'm like, Oh my God. I need more living fuel. So if I was to go get some, 
I would go, oh, by the way, they're also like super vegetarian, clean, and vegan, and stuff like that. But anyway, you can go to livingfuel.com and order their stuff. They have a, a person that works there that is big into Zentri, so I'd like to give them a shout out. They've got a really cool backstory, too. So, um, yeah, go check them out, livingfuel.com, and show them some love, and let's go ahead and get back to the show. Hello, hello. Well, that swim was silly. <laughs> it was a good swim. I was doing a 15 minutes and then taking a break and taking a sip of maple syrup, just like the tiniest sip, because I've been just training my ass off, and I just need calories, you know, and um, washing it down with water. Oh, by the way, that reminds me, there's a tip I give uh, repeatedly on the show, but it's been a little while. Before every ride, pick uh, pick glass out of your tires. It takes a couple rides. Uh, it kind of depends on how many miles, you know, for glass to work its way through your tire. And um, I was heading off on my ride this morning, and I rode through a bunch of glass. And, I mean, I knew it was coming, too, which pissed me off. And uh, at the next hilltop where I'd slowed down, I stopped and uh, spun my tires real slowly looking for glass and boom found a shard of glass in my rear tire which is a pain in the ass to change and uh, I, uh, I've i got a Zip 808 with a disc cover on it and freaking on those it's an older one with the aluminum rim and it's uh, those are a pain to freaking uh, change a tire out on and anyway the um the tire doesn't want to come off. And if it's a billion degrees and you start getting sweat everywhere, I think it's slick and crappy. Oh, and Kai went for a run this morning on his own. I'm so excited. And he went for a bike ride uh, with Emily for an hour uh, yesterday. I'm so excited. Yes. Anyway, the um, so I prevented a flat by stopping and picking glass out of my tires. Ouch! Pow! Anyway, so the uh, the thing is, is every once in a while during your rides and every once in a while um, starting off on a ride before you get going um, and if you ride through glass, stop and spin your tires and pick glass out. And I keep a, a little knife blade in my um, pliers and, and a knife blade. It's like a tiny little Leatherman uh, in my uh, bento box, storage box behind the seat on the trek. And uh, that's what I use to pick glass out. And I'm so stoked! That I saved myself from having a flat tire. Ugh, it's the worst. Anyway, um, oh, and if you ride through glass, another trick you can do, at least on a uh, regular road bike with some clearance. Most bikes with the front tire is, uh, if you're wearing bike gloves, right after you ride through glass, um, rub the front wheel. Let the front wheel run through your hand with your bike gloves on, and your glove will knock all the glass off before it starts working its way through the tire. It's a pretty cool little trick. Oh, and so, okay, speaking of my watch is beeping now. And speaking of that, the, uh, it's going to beep a lot because I can't, uh, the, um, uh, back, back, there you go. Uh, I was swimming, uh, 15 minutes, which ends up being about a thousand yards for me. And that's a 25 yard pool. And then, um, uh, first one I swam 975 and, oh, and I took my cap off because the water was warm. Oh, and I was talking to Brent who uh, is doing Ironman Canada with me, and we, he's testing out a wetsuit, and the water's so warm, so I'm sure he was, oh, we were talking about he's just dying in that thing. <laughs> but you gotta test it out, you know? If you wear your wetsuit in the pool, uh, rinse it off with uh, fresh water. If you wear your wetsuit in salt water, rush it, wash it off with fresh water. 
Worst thing for a surfboard, wetsuits, all that stuff is salt water. You gotta rinse it off. Anyway, um, <clears throat> we were talking for a little bit, and he, uh, we just had a nice little talk. That was fun, talking with him. No rush, just blabbing. And uh, talk about Gary. Everything's going wrong for Gary. <laughs> He's got a new bike, but of course, my bike took a few rides for it to settle in and quit making noises, and the handlebars almost fell off my bike twice. Uh, tighten everything down, out ride and get the position right and all that stuff. But uh, uh, let's see. Um, so I was doing 15 minutes. Uh, f- I was going to do four. I don't know. I kind of decide what I'm going to do swimming after I get going. And I'm like, okay, this is what's going to work you today. Uh, all these years of swimming, I got a billion workouts, you know, in my mind. So I'm like, okay, let's do. Uh, I swam for a while. And then I'm like, okay, at 15 minutes, it's actually like. A couple hundred yards in, I kind of know what I'm going to do for the rest of the swim. I can, I can f- kind of feel, like, what I need and, like, how banged up. Oh, man, dude, talk about bangedup.com. Don't ever go there. My uh, legs were, like, lead. Holy crap, they were just sinking and everything. But um, I digress. I went uh, first 15 minutes. I stopped. And that's why I'm 975 which is slower than I wanted. And then next 15 minutes, I'd swam total uh, 1975, which meant I'd swam 1,000 yards. Um, and so that meant I was swimming 25 yards faster. In, uh, oh, and I think actually my first one, I probably missed a yard. So I was probably swimming thousands right on the button. So probably uh, 126 pace, 127. Anyway, um, so then I was like, man, this is nice. I like these 15-minute uh, sessions doing about 1,000 yards um, and whatever it is for you, if you're faster or slower or whatever. And, uh, but 15 minutes and then a short break and 15 minutes and a short break, 15 minutes and a short break, right? And then so on the last one, I was like, uh, we'd been watching uh, Phelps and Lockheed uh, swimming and Soon Yang has, he wasn't in this thing, this video that just came out, but, uh, Soon Yang has just the coolest freestyle form I've ever seen in my entire life. And it's, it's like Phelps, but even more Phelpsy. And I was just like, man, I'm going to swim like Soon Yang and get low and, uh, slick and just, you know, do the weird pull with my arms and stuff. And I'm like, go, <laughs> this is my last 15, right? 15 minutes my last thousand. And I'm, and I'm like, Oh, this is something I can count. You know, I hate counting in the pool. And so I go 50, 100, 150, 200, 250, 300, 350. And then, uh, I get up to about 700, 750. And then I'm like 800. And then I'm like, Oh, did I lose count? You know, cause you can easily lose count. And I'm like, okay, well I'll look at my time. Um, as I got this last, I should have like two, three minutes left, you know, a minute and a half or something. And, uh, uh, and as I do an open turn, instead of doing a flip turn, I look at my watch and it goes, my watch says, Hey, would you like to swim? (laughs) And I'm like, what? (laughs) And I had never hit start on my watch for the last 15. And and this was critical. This was the ultimate test. This is in one day I was going to test, you know, like one swim form versus another at, you know, oh my gosh, like after being warmed up and going like, this is like critical that this works. And, uh, and I forgot to hit start on my watch and I was like, damn it. And, and, uh, 
that's the kind of crap that just happens sometimes. So I hit, um, I hit go on my watch and swam an extra like two, 300 yards. Um, but that's just the way the ball bounces, man. Not much you can do about that. So, uh, next practice, I turned off that timer and next practice, I'm going to turn that timer back on that beeps at a 124 pace, um, per 100 yards and see if that swim form. Cause I worked on it for 15 minutes and, um, there's there's a swim technique that I've got that at the start of a swim um, for the first few minutes it's long and uh, easy and it hauls ass and I've never been able to figure out what it is and it uh, it uh, God I wish I could figure that out I should have somebody video me um, everybody should have everybody video themselves swimming and also with a pace clock and then the when you're swimming the fastest at the what looks like the easiest effort um that you got it on video and that's what you should replicate that would be pretty smart we got all these devices nowadays man come on we should do it all right i'm gonna go back to the house we're gonna go out to the olive garden tonight some classy italian and uh but first i'm gonna have a uh, shiner bach which is a really good texas beer if you're not from texas but you uh, and you've never had it. You see this brown beer bottle with a yellow label with a ram's head on it. It says Shiner Bock B O C K. It's a very German beer. Central Texas hill country was settled by Germans and Czechs, and uh, it's a very very good 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 beer. And I'm gonna have one right now. Back to the, his house and. We'll catch up a little bit more. We'll try to wrap up this show. We'll see how the big day goes tomorrow. See predictions versus reality. It's going to be ugly. I can tell you that much. All right, out, babe. All right, it's Tuesday morning. We're going to do a review of yesterday's long workout with tips on how to do your own. And also, we have an interview with Lord Sandwich. I am here with the Lord Sandwich, the uh, Trek Speed Concept. And I've been promising this for a long time. So, uh... The coolest thing about this bike that I'm so excited about and it ends up being totally worth it is the electronic shifting and we're going to go ahead and talk to Lord Sandwich about that here for a second. Uh, Lord uh, Sandwich, <laughs> Mr. Sandwich, how do you feel about uh, the 4th of July? Oh, well, that's uh, that was kind of short. Oh, that was kind of short. What do you think about um, the elections with uh, this crazy dude, uh, Trump? Oh. Oh wow, uh, that's pretty interesting. And then, uh, oh, and then the um, in the back of your mind, back here, way over here by your uh, bike butt. Uh, what do you think about all this stuff, too? So that's the electronic shifting. It's so cool, so cool. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, but besides that. Um, it's just a really aero bike, and it's got a lot of integrated stuff, which I'll cover in a little bit. Um, but uh, one thing I wanted to cover while I've still got battery on my recorder here is yesterday's workout. And what a Charlie Foxtrot that was. Oh, my gosh, yesterday. Talk about adapting and overcoming uh, ridiculous obstacles and teamwork and communication. Oh, man. Hold on. Let me uh, let me sneak out of the house here. We're going to go swim. I'll talk while we're uh, while we're driving. Hold on. 
All right, we are back. We're in the car on the way to swim. So yesterday's uh, long workout, it's funny that we talked about electronic shifting because uh, those of you that follow me on Twitter are about to know what I'm talking about. The uh, ride started out just after 7. I don't know how I get up at 4.30 in the morning and still take two and a half hours to get out on the uh, bike. It blows my mind how that happens. But anyway, I'm a, I'm a slow mover to get started, which means I'm, I'm made for long distance. And let's see, uh, started out, yeah, at 7 and started cruising along. My fuel for the day was um, 100 calories of maple syrup with 200 calories of maltodextrin powder mixed together and uh, salt stick capsules mixed in and also salt stick capsules on my, on my person uh, as needed. And then... Also, uh, I'm trying to think what else I had with me on the bike. I've always got reserve stuff just in case. Tons of water. And the goal was um, three and a half hours on the bike, outside. That's important. And then it gets so hot here. We have heat advisory warnings. I think it got up to 106 yesterday, heat index. Uh, And uh, so indoor run on the treadmill as a brick run. All continuous. No break for lunch. Just go to kind of see what happens. And by the way, no matter how much water I drank, I was always dehydrated. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a pauses here and uh, drink some water. But I'll do it away from the mic for everybody. Mm. Man, I still need that. I uh, weighed myself before I left. 180, I think, is what it was. And um, I'm six foot two and a half, six foot three, somewhere in between there. So, um, 180 is actually a pretty normal, good weight range for somebody of my height. And, uh, backstory is I used to weigh 230 something pounds before I started triathlon and, uh, was a high school athlete turned fat thinking I was in shape, but I was not. (laughs) So, uh, anyway, the, um, also used to smoke half a pack to a pack of cigarettes a day. kind of depended if it was a weekend or not. And also drank tons and tons and tons of beer. And you can turn your health around. Boy, I was on the fast track to nowhere. And I knew it. I was trying to find something to um, do to uh, get away from all that. Anyway, I... Uh, Started off on the bike ride. As soon as I open the door, it's a billion degrees. It's like a, a you can feel the heat roll in the house because it's it was 86 degrees at 7 a.m. Okay, so I start on oh, high humidity too, and I uh, start riding and I, I'm doing my normal route. I keep doing the same route over and over and over and over and over again in spite of other people asking me to go ride with them and that way I can measure stuff that way I'm consistent and triathlon long distance triathlon can be a very lonely sport while you're trying to figure all this stuff out and I uh, I'm doing pretty good and I went ahead and marked on my uh, fuel bottle I have all this fuel uh, mixed into one bottle and I've got it marked on the side at 300 calories per hour of um one hour, two hours, three hours, four hours, right? Which is a really smart strategy. If you got a good water bottle, arrow bottle that's clear-ish, you mark it on the side with a permanent marker, and then you know 
if you know about how long the bike ride is going to take you and then uh, in a race and then you know not to, how much to not overfuel and you practice and train. And so I'm cruising along and I get about just under two hours in and I'm feeling pretty good although I'm starting to feel a little bit wonky like maybe I'm overfueling. The nice thing about maple syrup is if you start overfueling with that, it doesn't really make you that sick. It makes you, um, it's weird. It just doesn't make you that sick. You just uh, start slowing down. And I like that about maple syrup. That's a pretty cool thing. Um, but then I get to the section where I got, a, I'm probably going to have a tailwind for a long time. Oh, and it's, and I'm still going out, out, further out and out. Uh, away from my house and all of a sudden my uh, oh and I've got it in my mind I'm listening to Pandora I'm just jamming out I'm listening to Arabic dance music like it's really cool and uh, I'm just jamming there's other cyclists out waving and the uh, all of a sudden my front derailleur starts acting weird and it was right after I got blown sideways hard by a, um, a cotton truck. I'm out where there's plantations and, and, uh, big farm fields and the Brazos river bottom, the big cotton, they're growing cotton at the time. And I get knocked sideways a little bit. It's cool. I didn't, didn't bother me, but the, uh, and after that I shifted into the big derailleur, big, uh, chain ring and it acted weird. And then I did it back to the small chain ring and it shifted back and then I went to the big one and then nothing happened. And right there, there's a railroad crossing. And so I slowed down to go over the railroad tracks and I decided to start, decided to start looking at things. And the front derailleur won't shift at all. And the rear derailleur will. And I was like, oh crap, it's broken somehow. Right before my race, I broke my electronic shifting. Ah, what am I gonna do? And uh, then <laughs> I remember that um, uh, one of my friends, I can't remember who it was, said um, when your electronic shifting battery starts dying, the front derailleur goes first and then the rear derailleur uh, will go. You get more shifts out of the rear derailleur and then, uh, then it's before it goes totally kaput. So your front derailleur going out is your sign. But I didn't remember how many shifts it was in the rear derailleur. And uh, you got left. And now it's stuck in the small chain ring too. And on this tri-bike, the, the chain ring, the front uh, small chain ring is really small. It's a semi-compact. So it's like a 30, 34, 36 or something like that. And uh, I was like, oh, and it's really, really, really windy out of the south. And I've been riding into the wind. And I was like, oh, crap. Uh, I got out a bike tool and tried to think of, like, how I could remove the front derailleur <laughs> so I could put it in the big chain ring. Uh, it will not move into the big chain ring, period. Just won't. It's locked. And uh, what's going on, the problem is, is if I put it in the... Uh, if I continue this workout, this is supposed to be a big test workout. And if I continue this workout out where I'm at, um, it's going to be small chain ring, um, with a tailwind heading back. And so I'm going to be putting out like half the Watts, half the 
output that um, I normally would be. And so it's not a good test workout. And we're and I'm testing fueling and I'm testing pacing and all this other stuff and uh, and sodium and blah blah blah. And I was like, oh man, dude, this is not this is not good. So after some consternation. Um, I had taken off my bike gloves and my helmet and I'm looking at everything. I got out my toolbox and, uh, no avail. So I call Emily because it's only like nine o'clock, um, Sunday morning, no Monday morning, but it's 4th of July. And I, uh, I call her and I go, Hey, can you, um, can you come get me? She's tracking me on her phone. Can you come get me? I'll start riding towards you. And actually, it was, even though it was a tailwind, it was uphill for a while, for about 15 minutes. And um, uh, I'll ride, so that was okay for the small chain ring, even though it was a tailwind. I'll ride, I'll ride towards you, you drive towards me, pick me up in the car, and then I'm going to put my bike on the trainer and finish out my three and a half hour ride, right? So she and Kai come and get me. And, um, I load the bike up and we go home. Uh, I managed to, uh, get in 15 minutes of riding, uh, still at pretty good Watts, you know, good, like test Watts, right? I was holding my average. Um, and for me, it's like, uh, probably 220 Watts for the race. We'll kind of see, um, the race is so hilly, it's hard to tell. And then um, I'm cruising along, and uh, oh, we get to the house, and I uh, put the bike on the trainer, and man, that takes a long time. <laughs> Putting the bike on the trainer and getting a computer set, I got to do an hour and a half ride because I'm two hours in. I got an hour and a half ride on the trainer, and uh, and the whole time I'm not drinking enough water. I realize later, and. I'm still sweating like crazy, but I'm not drinking any water, right? Because I'm not on my schedule of drinking and drinking and drinking. And um, I put the bike on the trainer. I, I didn't look, I don't even want to look to see how much time it took. But you got to load it up with like towels and all your drinks and your computer and like uh, all this stuff. Oh, and while I load it up, the um, I've got it charging on the charger and I show Kai how that works so that he can learn all the electronics and stuff like that. And um, when I was trying to fix my bike out in the field at the railroad tracks, I was like, uh, how do you test? I couldn't remember because this has never happened to me before. I couldn't remember how to um, test the battery to see if it was the battery that was out, right? So on my phone, covered in sweat, I Google it. (laughs) And it's like you hold down any shift button and it'll, for more than half a second or something like that you know it's like it's a a long hold on the shift button and uh the light will flash maybe orange mine just flashed red that it needed to be charged but it'll flash green if it's got a full charge ish and uh so that's what i did when i was out there and it flashed red and i was like oh okay so my battery's dead i haven't ruined my bike but man this is stupid it's one of my uh pinnacle workouts for testing for the race and I've managed to get so into training that I forgot to uh, check my bike charge I just assumed it would be okay and I guess I've had my bike about a month but just tons and tons of riding and stuff so um, 
when I put my gloves back on and I started riding back towards the house to meet Emily at the car, uh, my hands started feeling like they were on fire. And I was like, what is going on? And I had laid my gloves in fire ants, which is really cool. Um, oh, a couple days ago, I got stung by a um, hornet or something on my leg, <laughs> which still hurts. And uh, I get on the trainer. Anyway, I get on the trainer and finish out my hour and a half ride and something is off. Like, I can't take on fuel. I've... Uh, so I'm riding pretty much on fumes. I could take in very, very little fuel. And looking back on it, I probably wasn't drinking enough water um, while I was getting everything set up to go back on the trainer. And uh, um, so I wasn't able to take in more stuff. But I got an upside to that in a little bit. And then um, when I finished the uh, bike ride... I uh, made sure I didn't eat anything. I laid on the floor for a little while, for like um, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, just like, what in the world is going on? This is insane, you know? And then um, then I got on the treadmill. And the same thing on the treadmill, I couldn't uh, take on that much fuel. It made my stomach hurt. And when I weighed myself afterwards, I'd lost a few pounds. So I was down on, on water. But uh, nothing crazy. But the um, the whole the whole uh, well at the end of the treadmill run, I managed to um, increase and increase and increase speed and increase um, uh, grade on the treadmill. Toward the last mile or two miles or so, I was running three and a half percent grade at probably a nine minute mile uphill, maybe, I think an eight and a half minute mile, actually, uh, three and a half percent grade, which meant, um, I had plenty of energy and all this other stuff. And I looked back and I, <laughs> I'd eaten, I was so hungry when I was done. I'd eaten, um, uh, 900 calories total by the end of that thing. Over seven hours. My five-hour workout ended up taking seven hours by the time Emily came and picked me up and I got the bike all set up and then the ride on that thing and then transition to the treadmill and moving stuff around. And uh, I made sure I didn't need anything except for the uh, fuel that I'd made so I could see, um, uh, you know, how my fueling was working and stuff like that and sodium and all that stuff. And um, talk about... A good indicator of uh, how uh, getting your metabolism kind of worked out and uh, being more efficient uh, can work for you. I was um, pretty much running on fumes, but going faster and faster and faster towards the end um, and felt really good. Like just ton to be running uphill after seven hours at that fast of a clip, um, was like uh, pretty amazing. And that was after I backed off the fuel and let stuff kind of settle. So I, I think I'm just taking in too much fuel. My body just doesn't like it. There's something, I wish I could figure that out, but, uh, so maybe uh, 200, uh, 250 calories per hour, probably about right. And, um, also a, uh, it was, I wanted to share it with everybody the failure. Well, two things. <laughs> Somebody said on Twitter, 
and I, I thought this uh, as it was happening, as I was stuck out there, it was like 90 degrees, and um, my hands are being uh, eaten alive by fire ants, and <laughs> I'm stuck in a small chain ring, and I'm having the, the embarrassment of having somebody to come get me. Um, they said, uh, you will only forget to charge your battery once. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, because it has to happen to you for you to realize how uh, it, to burn into your memory um, to not do that, but also how easy it is to check it. It is so easy to check your battery on your bike. And um, the charger simple. Everything's simple about it. And, um, and I totally agreed. I said, it's like, yeah, for the rest of my life, I'm just going to be like every once in a while, probably once a week, you know, be like, if, probably more often than that. Those fire ants suck. Uh, check the, um, check the, uh, the indicator light with just a press and you turn and look, you look over sideways and then you know how much charge your uh, battery has. And then, but then also, um, being resourceful and, um, triathlon is hard, you know, and it seems to me like when you're trying to train for triathlon, it's like the world is conspiring against you to make, to stop you, you know, um, everything is going wrong constantly and it's death by a thousand cuts and you got to, you got to decide that you're going to get this stuff done and nothing's going to stop you or it'll take something huge to stop you. You know, if I, a family member is, uh, in dire straits at the hospital, of course I'd, you know, uh, cut it out or Emily needed me for something, you know, I'd, I'd uh, you know, cash in a training day, but, um, little obstacles, you immediately need to start thinking, how am I still going to, how am I going to, you know, recover this day and still get something out of it. And, um, yeah, I think, uh, old me and, and, uh, or less resourceful me or, uh, you know, somebody that's, that's new to the sport would say, Oh, well, you know, my, uh, shifting, um, my derailleur, uh, uh, doesn't work. I guess the workout's over. And that means you really don't want it. You know, if you really want it, that you're going to figure out a way to get it done. So again, what I did was I had, uh, I rode in the small chain ring and, uh, towards the house and had somebody, uh, come get me, um, come in the other direction. And then as soon as we could, we put my bike on the trainer and I finished, uh, the workout indoors on the trainer instead of giving up, you know? So, yeah. That's uh, what it takes. And I am uh, here at the pool, so uh, I've got energy this morning. Obviously, I'm, I'm all chatty, so I'm feeling pretty good. And we're going to uh, swim and then wrap up the show. All right, that's it. Out, bang. All right, let's take a break, and let's talk about Amrita Bars. I freaking love Amrita Bars. Longtime sponsor. I've actually been trail running with their owner, and they have a good backstory as well. Uh, they were making nutrition nutrition friendly, uh, non-allergenic, like healthy, uh, good food for, for their kid. And, um, cause he had, yeah, he had some bad allergies and they were trying to uh, figure out something that was really happy and healthy for him. And he, the dad is a cyclist and he's like, well, let's make it so that, um, 
you can also eat it uh, while on the bike and before workouts, during workouts and such. And they came up with Amrita bars. And Amrita means nectar of the gods uh, from, from India is where the owner's from. So it's really cool uh, ingredient list with lots of really neat stuff. And let me tell you another story. The other day I went for a workout and I ate a, I went for a run and I ate most of a bar before the run. And I thought that I had eaten a squid that it was fighting a sperm whale at the same time and put that in my guts. And I mean, it was a nightmare. And then days before and also days after, I've also eaten Amrita bars before a workout and it's smooth. It doesn't hurt your stomach at all. It's so much better. And they come in a uh, really uh, easy to handle wrapper. You can uh, open the end of it and then take just a bite and then put the uh, wrapper back into your jogging shorts or back into your um, cycling jersey or on the side of the pool. And uh, they're, they're actually really easy to handle and you can kind of squeeze out more bar as you go along. And let's see, what else do they have? They uh, reduces inflammation because it's low in allergens. Um, it doesn't freeze. Uh, if you're going on bike rides and such or runs in really cold weather, they won't get hard. Um, they're always nice and chewy. Uh, great for early morning rides. That's exactly my point is uh, you can get up and eat half or all of an Amrita bar as much as you want and then jog out the door and your stomach will feel great. It's really, really cool. And let's see, what else do they have? We have a discount code. Uh, well, there's a club. You get 20% off. But I want you to try discount code ZEN2016 at amritahealthfoods.com. And yeah, ZEN2016. It's really good stuff, man. Oh, it's great fuel for those bike rides. Easy to digest, but has great easy to digest fats. So you can actually carry less for longer rides. Yeah, one bar. Oh, man, I got an 18-wheeler pulling up next to me. This is going to be in a commercial for like three episodes. And there's a UPS truck. Oh, my God. <sighs> okay, they're gone. Let's get back to it. I need those commercials from you people where you're going to record your own. I know there's lots of you out there that really enjoy Amrita bars. And also, uh, so make your ads and send them in. Again, textsafornia at gmail.com. If you think you can make a better ad than this, I'd like to hear it. And then I'd like to play it. And they have really cool uh, gear. One of my favorite kits to wear, and I wear it in a lot of races. Oh, by the way, my, uh, I need to tell Amrita, um, I tore my jersey in a crash. And I need to, uh, I need to get another one. Uh, and I think I wore... The Amrita socks to work the other day. <laughs> cycling socks. And I wear them for cycling and running. Really high quality stuff. Uh, Amrita jerseys. They got a triathlon kit. Uh, cycling kit. And it's a really cool uh, logo. It's black with um, with kind of a rainbow colored uh, like lotus leaf. And uh, it's just really, really cool looking stuff. And people are always, they look at it and they go, Amrita. And then they look at me and then... And I'm like, yeah. And they say, what is that? And I go, it's awesome. And you need to eat it. Lots of it. All right. So go check out amritahealthfoods.com. And yeah, let's go ahead and get back to the episode. Here we go. All right. We are back. Swim done. Hey, there's a dude running down the side of the freeway. Be careful. 
but go, dude, go. <laughs> All right, I need to slow down, make sure I'm not speeding. Uh, let's see, nice little swim, did intervals of 15 minutes, uh, just uh, cruising easy and then slowly working the pace and then going hard the last 100 yards. Nice stuff, felt really good. Taking about a 30-second break, maybe, maybe a minute, probably 30 seconds uh, between to recover and then starting over again with nice clean form and then uh, moving moving on up and trying to keep the same pace and fatiguing until where I'm burning up towards the end. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So now we're going to wrap up the show. Um, the reason I haven't put out much shows, uh, lately is because the intensity of training for an Ironman, uh, just takes up so much time and you're like, well, you don't train all the time. What about your downtime? Uh, your downtime, you're so, I don't know, discombobulated, (laughs) And just trying to keep the pieces of life together, everything starts falling apart. If you make tra- training a priority, everything else becomes um, really low priority. It's really selfish, and it sucks. I remember when, uh, on the way back to the house, I told Emily and Kai I was so sorry for them having to come out and get me, um, you know, to take a half hour, hour out of their day. Um, and then it puts me an hour later where we're, we wanted to go do stuff in the afternoon, and now... Um, I've put a dent in that um, because of my drama. And, uh, oh, we did go see uh, Central Intelligence with The Rock, uh, Dwayne Johnson in it, and and, uh, Kevin Hart. And that is really, really good, man. It's a great movie. I highly recommend it. Um, So anyway, my point is uh, it's three weeks until race day. And uh, that means starting to taper, starting to have a whole lot more free time. Um, and then you get antsy, so I'll probably uh, put out more show content and tweet more and talk more about stuff with because uh, I'll have more time and more energy, which is really, really cool. So I uh, appreciate everybody sticking with me and uh, being tolerant of fewer shows while we um, wrap this up. But also, um, speaking of that, uh, this morning I've been listening to the Science of Ultra podcast, which is put on by some kind of doctor. And if you can get through the tone of his voice, because he's got this kind of high-pitched, scratchy voice, like maybe he had throat surgery or something, that, uh, man, the content is really, really good. And he's interviewing a guy, this episode 31, that's an expert scientist researcher in um, intervals and what kind of intervals work best, how to do intervals and all that stuff. And what the research shows and how to mix in more intervals with your training and uh, not have to train as much. I tell you, like from my own perspective, they never said this, but when you do an interval, you really push hard and you stretch beyond your normal range of motion. So imagine you're running really hard and fast while you're lifting your knees higher, for example, and um, and that's just one one part of your body. Pumping your arms harder and everything. So the range of motion and the torque on that further range of motion, you'll never get that if, uh, if you're not doing intervals and during a race, if, uh, you're pushing it going uphill or something like that, and you've never trained, uh, that kind of stuff, of course, you're going to be worse at it. So you need to train that stuff. And, uh, it's also like all time effective and all that. Anyway, episode 31, science of ultra recommend that as a podcast to uh, subscribe and listen to. They did a lot on heat training and sodium and, all kinds of great stuff. Really, really good scientific podcast. And uh, 
we might have a female superstar swimmer on an upcoming show. Somebody says that they uh, they know her and she might like to be on the show. So well, I'm going to work on that as my next interview. And then you also never know what's going to happen. So, all right, everybody stay safe out there. Hydrate. <laughs> Hydrate. Weigh yourself. Uh, before and after most workouts, get an idea of how much you need. I need two water bottles per hour, for example. So part of staying safe out there is staying hydrated. Uh, work the uphills, cruise the downhills, charge your uh, DI2 shifters, and keep the rubber side down, out. <laughs>